Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church. You can find more great content like this online at citylight.church. We are, have embarked on and are partway through a five-week series looking at five of the big truths that form the absolute backbone of our faith. Uh, and these are the five uh, solar of the Reformation. Five short Latin slogans that sum up the deep historical truths of Christian- Christianity uh, and they're uh, solid truths that have stood for generations. Uh, these are, we looked at last week, sola scriptura, scripture alone, sola gratia, grace alone this week, sola fide, faith alone, solus Christus, Christ alone, and sol de gloria, gloria, uh, glory to God alone. And so last week we, talk about, we spoke about sola scriptura, and that's that the Bible, the word of God alone, is the highest authority for the church. Not tradition, not reason, not experience, but the Word of God is our highest authority. And today we're looking at uh, sola gratia or grace alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of uh, gathering as your church and we pray that as we uh, look at your Word, as we uh, look at the truths of the Reformation tonight, uh, that you would come and this wouldn't just be information, but uh, these things like your word, which is living and active, would transform our hearts and our minds. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace alone. So tonight we're talking about how salvation, the salvation we have in Christ, is a free gift given from God to us. We've just had Christmas, and some of you may have received a gift for Christmas. Some of you may have not, and that's okay too. If you don't do gifts, that's all right. But most of us would remember either having received a gift or getting one as a kid, and a really amazing gift, and you felt kind of a little bit spoiled. Maybe unless you're an entitled kid, and then you probably didn't feel anything apart from, that's not the Xbox I wanted, I wanted the new one. But we all know what it's like to be given something, even if it's a cup of tea. You feel privileged or spoiled because you do nothing to deserve that gift. Well, the grace that we're talking about tonight is a gift. We did nothing to deserve it, and it's a generous, loving, thoughtful gift that should make us completely thankful. Salvation is given to us as a gift by grace. And I want us to really pay attention and to let this truth sink deep down into our hearts that God has saved us because of grace. Because it will change how we think and live and relate to each other and act in the world. Grace is a free gift. We are saved by grace alone. Not by anything that you've done, but by grace alone. And if you're a Christian, you have probably, hopefully, almost certainly heard this before. But we forget. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, I'm really glad you're here. Because this is part of the backbone of the Christian faith, and so you could not have picked a better night. Sola gratia, grace alone, reminds us that salvation is all God's doing. 
And tonight our anchor text that we'll be referring to the most is Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 9. So if you want to crack out an app or have a physical Bible in the pew or anything, feel free to do that. You also don't have to, but if you want to, it's there. Um, and this is kind of just to back up last week, Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone. Um, Sola Scriptura, this is why we go to the text, because it's the Word of God. And so we go there because you can see that I'm not just making this stuff up. It's God's Word, and we want to get our theology, that is our thoughts about God, from His Word, not from our own imaginations, or not just from what someone as uninformed as us has told us or thinks, but directly from God through His Word. So we go there. Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 9. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in, what, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind." But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You may not know this, but you are either are or were dead. You're dead. Ephesians tells us you were dead. In trespasses and sins. That's the wrong things that we have said and done to harm each other and God and his world. There is something really significant about being dead. You can't do anything. You are helpless to do anything about your own deadness. Now, I'm not really a zombie movie fan. In fact, I'm a little bit timid of zombie movies. But that's not what this is talking about. Dead people can't do anything. Zombies aren't real. I hope. You don't wake up one day if you're dead and decide not to be dead. You are helpless to do anything about your own deadness. You don't wake up one day in the same way and decide to come to God. Dead dead people don't wake themselves up. They get woken up by God. We say salvation is a gift of grace because gifts get given to you. You don't earn them. It's all God's doing. Ephesians says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So we know that Jesus is the one who calls us. Jesus is the one who sets us apart. Jesus is the one who comes after us. Jesus is the one who picks us up, 
dusts us off, puts us over his shoulder where he bore all of our sin up the hill, nailing it to the cross. Jesus is the one who was killed and who conquered sin and death by being raised to life again. We were made alive together with Christ, Ephesians says. Just like Jesus was dead and raised to life, God in his grace takes us dead and raises us to life with Jesus. You were woken for his glory. Why did he do this? Why? Why is God in the business of taking dead people and and making them alive? Does he like zombie movies? Maybe, but I hope not. God is in the business of taking dead people and making them alive. Why did he do this? It says here, he says, verse 6, and it raised us up with him, that's Jesus, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that, well, there's a reason here, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So that he did this so that he could show. God does everything for his own glory. The fact that he has raised us with Christ, through Christ, is so that he can show his immeasurable riches and grace and kindness. Our salvation is to show the glory of God. It's all Christ's doing. We're dead, spiritually dead and destined for hell, a life without God, eternal separation from his pleasures. And he comes and he rescues us and he saves us And if we could do it ourselves, it would not bring him the same glory. Come on with me for a moment with a strange little thought. I don't know. In my head this works. Maybe it doesn't work. If you saw, for example, a small child, bear with, flying around the room, that would be pretty special. Just saw a small child flying around the room. That would be pretty special. But we know that when that happens, it's the parent picking them up that's actually doing all the work, flying them around the room. It makes God look strong and not us when he picks us up out of our mess and makes us his and lifts us up and and holds us We are saved by grace and we are saved by grace for God's glory. Yes, he loves us. Yes, he thinks we're uh, special, if you want to put it that way. But he's done it for his glory so that we can make much of him, so that in time's future he can point back and say, look at my immeasurable riches of kindness and grace. We are saved for his glory. For some people, this might ask or raise the question, and sometimes these doctrines of grace do this. They raise questions for people, and it's, well, if it's all God's doing for his glory, if it's God's doing, do I need to share the gospel at all? It's God's doing it. Why do I got to share the gospel? So salvation is all God's doing, but sometimes we get our wires crossed and think, okay, God's doing, so do I just go home now? And this kind of thinking can result in a failure to carry out the Great Commission for us to share the gospel. And this comes from a misunderstanding about how God has chosen to work. Earlier in Ephesians, it says that he chose us 
before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless. And so some people think, ho-hum, God has done the choosing, I guess he'll take care of it. But God, for whatever reason, in his infinite wisdom, has chosen to let us be involved in his great work. We should floor us. And it says in 2 Corinthians that he, in fact, even makes his appeal through us. And that is a joy and a privilege for us. All of this focus on, on the work of Jesus in the act of salvation can, can make Christians feel as if they are off the hook. And this is often one criticism uh, leveled at those who are strong on doctrines of grace. It can make people feel like they're off the hook for the Great Commission. If you came here with a friend tonight and you're not a Christian and they haven't shared the gospel with you, I want you to ask them, why haven't you shared the gospel with me yet? Sorry to make you feel uncomfortable if you're that friend. If you really believe it, that it's true, why haven't you? Some Christians are so afraid of being accused of trying to add to God's grace that they don't get to live out all of its joys. It is, in fact, a grace of God and a joy that he has provided you with work to do. The work that you do is not to cause the grace, but the work that you have to do is a grace given to you because it's a joy and a privilege. Verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The work that you have to do, the work that is given to you, is a part of your grace, it's a part of your gift. But don't get confused. It doesn't cause your grace. And in fact, this confusion, this single issue is why we have this solar. That's why we have this grace alone solar. This solar gratia arose to challenge the Catholic teaching of grace with works. So the Catholic teaching on salvation, uh, now and before the Reformation is that Christians are saved by God's grace. They believe that, they affirm that, the same as us. But they add to that and say that the works we do are part of our salvation and that we can somehow merit some of God's favour which will add and be a part of our salvation. And we totally reject that and believe that our salvation is by grace alone. And any work or works that we do are a response to our salvation and not an adding to it and a part of it. Sola gratia reminds us that there is nothing human beings can do to either save themselves or add to their salvation. So salvation is a gift from God that is God's doing and it's something that we are just impossibly, it's impossible for us to do it ourselves. Titus 3, verses 5 to 7, backs this up where it says, He saved us. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, 
but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is so important because even people who mentally assent to this idea of being saved by grace alone, so many of us are striving for and looking for approval. We run on the giant hamster wheel of life trying to make something of ourselves, trying to get some kind of sense of self-worth, trying to prove that we're worthy or good enough or meritous, but we fail. Or perhaps we don't think we fail. Perhaps we think we do do that and and then we think we start to think that we've made something of ourselves and we start to think we're perhaps better than others and then we miss the point that we're, we're an arrogant ass and not humble and have therefore sinned and fallen too. We all fail when we try and conjure up of our own doing a sense of self-worth and righteousness and good standing before God. We may know mentally that God has saved us, but I think some of us don't quite believe the goodness of how true it is or it's too good to be true. And I think sometimes we think to ourselves, that must have been a one-time deal. And I keep stuffing up, and and if I keep stuffing up, God will eventually get sick of me. Grace alone. You are saved by grace alone. There is no peace any other way for your tired, restless heart. Because you will, if you even open the door to works, you will for winter despair or pride. You are saved by grace alone. We don't add to our salvation through our work. We are called to do works like we were talking about, but we don't add to our salvation through our work. This is important. We add to our joy through our work. When we work out of a response to the grace that God has worked in our life, we add to our joy more of God, more of his kingdom, more of his love, more of him in my life. We add to our joy. We don't add to our salvation. Another objection that gets thrown up to this idea is, well, if I'm only saved by grace, should I bother changing? And I think Paul was challenged in this way, the uh, Apostle Paul, and, and he wrote, should I sin that grace may abound? By no means. Being saved by grace doesn't mean that we give up. It means that our motivation changes. We love because God first loved us. We serve because God first served us. It now comes out of a place of security, not out of a place of insecurity. We now work not to earn God's favour, but to add to our joy and enjoyment of him and his glory. 
It's the difference between working for a boss and working for a loving father. Working for a paycheck and working for joy. Never knowing if you've done enough to not get fired. Never knowing if you've done enough to get across the line. Never knowing if you're going to get the knock on your cubicle door. Sorry, we're downsizing, you're out. Always having to put in 600% because you're never not quite sure if you're good enough. Versus knowing that you are secure and loved and can relax and get to work, trusting that the outcome is God's. And each time you do something, it's for your joy and his glory. Not to prove your worth. Sola gratia means that salvation is not from keeping God's law. Sometimes Christians are known as the rule people. Yeah, the Bible's got some rules, but that's not how you're saved. Another kind of trap in all this is the idea of antinomianism. Anti-what? He doesn't like garden gnomes? Who is his kid? It's not... Antinomianism... Uh, nomianism is just like... Nomos is Greek for law, so anti-law... People are like, now you're a Christian, there's no law. You know, that's the old way. Now we just don't have law, we just got grace, which don't fall for antinomianism. This kind of antinomian idea is the idea that if someone is saved, he or she has no need to live a holy life, given that salvation is already in the bag. I don't know if you've heard this attitude or perhaps even it's festered in your own heart before as well. Like, oh, I'm saved, so I'm just going to do whatever I want now. There's no law. We need to be careful of that attitude because that's like a man who who says to himself, I know my wife will love me and forgive me if I cheat on her, so I'm going to go do it. That dude totally missed the point. Totally missed the point. We love because he first loved us. We serve because he first served us. We work to add to our joy, not our salvation. Sola gratia means that salvation must be accepted as a free gift by faith. I'm not going to get into the faith stuff because that's Josh's thunder for next week. Sola fide. Accepting a gift is humbling because it means allowing someone else to do something for you and bless you. And when you tell people about a gift that's been given to you, it's not about how great you are. You didn't choose it, you didn't buy it, you didn't wrap it, you didn't put the pretty bow on it, you just received it. It's about how great the giver of the gift is. And so it is with our salvation. It's about how great God is. And that's why I think he chose to make us not be able to add to it because he knows that we'd want to make it about us. It brings glory to God because it's about how good he is, not how good we can try and be. Grace means we were dead and now we're alive. God doesn't do some sort of patch-up job on our rotting flesh He makes us completely new, sets us on a new path and gives us good works to walk in, not to save us, but because we are already saved. And he wants to see them bring us joy.
as we revel in his glory. We're going to celebrate and remember and accept that gift as we do communion. In this next time of worship, uh, we're going to have communion. Uh, in this church, communion is open to all Christians. So if you're here and you're a Christian, you're more than welcome to participate with us. If you're here and you're not a Christian, this is the one thing uh, that we reserve just for those who are in Christ. So we'd encourage you during this time to reflect and think about who he is. And if you want to grab someone and chat about that or pray about that, you're more than welcome to do so. Make a ruckus, be noisy, we don't care. We just want you to meet Jesus. Um, as we take the bread or the gluten-free cracker, if that's you, and dip it into the juice, it reminds us that Christ's body and blood was the price of that free gift. That it took God, his own son, that the gift of eternal life is given to us through Christ. We are raised with Christ. And we remember and be thankful. Let's pray and then we're going to worship together. Jesus, we thank you that you are so good to us. We don't comprehend the depth of your love. Well, I want to thank you that in your wisdom you chose to make our salvation by faith because you know our hearts, that we want to make it about us if we could. We thank you that you invite us into doing some work, not for our salvation, but for our joy. We thank you for your wisdom in that. We pray that as we dwell on these things, that you would remind our hearts and refresh our souls with the truth of your grace. That if some of us have grown accustomed to your grace, Lord, that you would blow us away again with just how amazing it is. And that if there's anything in us that would want to try and work for ourselves, that you would strip that away. Help us to be secure in your love so that we can work for your glory and your joy, not our own self. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light Church, visit us online at www.citylight.church.